Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to be with you, and thank you so much to the Hansen family, especially Roshan at the start of this service for bringing us our Advent reading. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we're entering a season of waiting. And the fact is that the church year starts here. It starts today. It doesn't start at Christmas. It doesn't start at Easter. And that makes me think, maybe it's something important happening in this season. I think the fact that the church year starts here shows us some of the significance of preparation. Some of the significance of a season awaiting and anticipation. But for many of us, I think Advent primarily is one of these. This is my favorite. Or maybe the Advent candles. But honestly, those two things, showing us, indicating, waiting, might easily get lost in the preparations for Christmas. And for me personally, Advent didn't make much of a difference until recent year. But if you look into it, Advent is quite significant. It means coming. And at this time, we are looking forward to waiting for Christmas. The arrival of Jesus born as a baby. We look backwards. But we're also waiting and preparing for the second coming of Christ when Jesus will return. We're looking forward. So in Advent, we have a combination of time, backwards and forwards, and hopefully that can mean that we are anchored here in the present. And here in the in-between time, we are invited to wait and prepare for the promised better future, but also to celebrate the signs of salvation all around us. And to try to understand Advent a little bit better, I went to the Church of England's description of the church year and the different seasons. And there it says, this makes Advent a period for devout and joyful expectation. And honestly, when I read it, I thought, well, that's going to be a little bit tricky this year, isn't it? Because if you look back at 2020, the year we just lived through, how would you describe it? If you were to use one word, what would that one word be to describe this year? Maybe challenging, maybe lonely, maybe confusing, maybe traumatic, maybe loss or sadness. I don't know. It's been a hard year. But I think if I was to choose one word, my one word would be waiting. Because by this point, I've lost the count of how many hours or even potentially how many days I've spent waiting. Waiting to get into the shops, waiting to see my friends and family again, to hug them, waiting to get out of a Zoom meeting, <laughs> waiting to hear from a loved one who's ill, waiting to be able to gather here in the church again. Waiting, waiting, and waiting. 
And I'm not the most patient person in the world, so by this point, I honestly feel a bit numb. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. At the point where you have lost sight of what we are waiting for, because of all of the unknowns and the overwhelming sense of still being in the darkness. We have waited for so long that it might be easy to lose the sense of excitement and joy in the waiting. So from that place of acknowledging that this is challenging to now have to enter a season of waiting, let's dive into the two passages that we have heard read today. Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bible with you this morning, why don't you keep it open as we see what we can learn about waiting. So let's start in Isaiah 40. It's written in a context towards the end of exile. The Israelites are about to return to Jerusalem. After a long time of destruction and darkness, hope is finally proclaimed and comfort to the people. And the promise is in this prophecy is found in verse 5, where it says, The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. And we partly saw the fulfillment of this prophecy at that time when they returned to Jerusalem. We then partly see it with John the Baptist coming and pointing to Jesus. But then maybe we can partly see it today as well, as we know that we will see the full fulfillment of that prophecy in the future. A prophecy always offers an invitation to wait. The question is, how do we wait? Our second passage is then from Mark 1, where we read, The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. It's typical Mark style. He writes with expectancy and it's fast pace. He jumps from one thing to another. So then in verse 2, he recites this prophecy from Isaiah 40 and another one from Malachi. Before it then in verse 4 says, And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And so, in my head, that sounds like five minutes, maybe a couple of hours, at the longest, a couple of weeks. Something is said, and then the fulfillment follows. But what's significant for us to realize this morning Like in the Greek, it actually goes straight into John the Baptist Baptist appeared in the wilderness. It's just as as if it automatically follows. But the thing is, they waited for 500 years. It's as long as 2020 has felt like. But no, seriously, 500 years are waiting to see the fulfillment of a prophecy. And then another 30 since John was born. And my question is, how did they wait? My guess is that most of the Israelites were waiting 
a little bit like we're waiting today. Maybe they had lost the sense of even waiting. Or if they remembered, yes, there might be a change in the future, but we don't know what and we don't know when. No meaning, no expectancy. But then John the Baptist comes in as a clear contrast, as someone who illustrates to us what expectant waiting can look like. John was the forerunner to Jesus. He was born six months earlier, and his whole life purpose was to prepare people for the arrival of Jesus. John also lived in the in-between times. And there's a brilliant description of him that says, John was a figure in whom the past and the future meet in an explosive message for the present. Many will probably describe him as a bit of a nutter, myself included. And I'm not saying that we should copy his eccentric style of fashion or run out into the wilderness or the countryside of Oxfordshire saying that Christ is about to return. It's not up to, us, up to us to know the time of that. But there is something in how John waits with expectancy that we can learn from. Paula Gooder says in her book on Advent, Advent is a season that challenges us to grasp again John's disruptive spirit of reorientation. Since it is the spirit that prepares us fully to greet Jesus, the one for whom we wait. So to help us understand this a little bit, when have you waited in expectancy? Maybe you have been waiting for a baby to be born, just like the beautiful ones we saw earlier. A pregnancy always comes with preparations. Or I love when I get to stand here in the church and see the expectant look on a groom's face as I say the bride is about to enter. The expectancy in the waiting after months of preparing for a marriage. Studying for an exam and waiting for the result. Preparing for a job interview and waiting to hear if you've gotten it. Preparing to move somewhere. Every time we wait in expectancy, it makes us act in the present. We automatically start to prepare. And I believe that our willingness to wait reveals the value we place on what we are waiting for. And this year, the temptation is to start Christmas early. We really need a celebration at this time, some sparkling Christmas jumper jumpers, and there's nothing wrong in that. But after a year, that already has looked so different, with less of the normal Christmas activities. Maybe this can be the year where we prepare spiritually in a new way. Because it's been a hard year. It's been dark. But what if we dare to stay here for a little while longer? And from that place, of hardship, challenges, and darkness, start expressing what we need and what we long for. And what if we then 
again can understand that everything we need and everything we long for is found in Jesus. Because if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that means that Jesus is the light in the darkness. It means that he is the living hope. It means that he is the one who can bring us joy, love, and peace. It means that he is the life that defeated death. It means that he is the friend to those who are lonely. It means that he is the beginning and the end, that he is the one who won't change. He is the unshakable I am. Do we really believe that? Because if that is who Jesus is, is he not worthy of us waiting in expectancy for him? Simon has preached beautifully this term on Jesus. And my question is, do we really understand who he is? Do we really fully comprehend our need for him and his salvation? Or might this Advent season be a time where we get to experience it and understand it again. Advent is an invitation for us to recognize our need for his salvation. And Gouda also says in her book, salvation history continues today. The point of telling and retelling the history of salvation is so that we can recognize it when it breaks into our world. When we know the promised future and see the glimpses of God's glory breaking through, we become unsettled in the present and want to participate. Jesus came into this world to make his dwelling amongst us, into the darkness, into the chaos, as light, hope, and salvation. And my prayer is that we will know his salvation this year. And from that place, start recognizing when it's happening around us. So then, how do we prepare in expectancy? That leads me to my next point. I think John shows us how we can wait in expectancy. Because biblical waiting is all about living in the present while expecting a promised future. The glimmers of that promised future makes us want to change things here and now. We want to see more of God's glory on earth. And John shows us how we can do this. He shakes the present to prepare for the future. He, he waits in expectancy. And as he prepares, he prays, he preaches, and he points. That's how we can do it. We know from elsewhere in scripture that John prayed. He was a man filled with the Holy Spirit that taught his disciples to pray. A part of waiting in expectancy is us praying. Praying for the light to shine in the darkness. Praying for people to get to know Christ. Praying for his return. And you've heard it today. We have an advent calendar that basically invites us all to pray through this Advent season. Why don't you sign up and join the church family as we pray and prepare? Secondly, John preaches. We hear in this passage how he does so. He spoke about Jesus, and expecting, expectant waiting looks like you and me talking about Jesus. In Isaiah 40, 
Our first reading, it starts with God's longing for his people to be comforted. Comfort, comfort my people, we hear God say. But the thing we can't see in the English translation is that this is actually a plural verb. God is not telling his prophet to go and comfort the people or to John to go and comfort the people. It's more like, is there anyone out there who can comfort my people? And I think that's an invitation to all of us today to comfort people. And then through this passage and as it follows, there are multiple voices that are heard. It's just as one person passing on the message to another one who then passes it on to a third one. Jerusalem's proclamation of God's return doesn't require its people just to hear it, but to comprehend it, take it in, make it their own, and then pass it on. This Advent season, we need all of us, not just to hear it, but to fully understand it, take it in, make it our own, and pass it on. And then, as we speak about Jesus, as we tell people about Jesus, I think it can become a reality to all of us. This year, more than ever before, all of us have to talk about Jesus. Many who would normally go to church won't be able to go to church this Christmas. So how can you be the one telling them instead? Sharing some of the significance of the beautiful songs we've heard sung and the meaning they have to you. Or maybe have a chat with a neighbor you got to know this year about Jesus as you decorate your house for Christmas. And then John points to Jesus. John's whole life was a model of him becoming lesser that Jesus could become more. And we hear it here in Mark 1. He says, after me comes someone who's so much more powerful. John realized that he was a signpoint, a signpost to the attraction. He was pointing, look, look, look how great he is. How can we point to Jesus this Christmas, this Advent? Expectant waiting does, in other words, look like preparations, and I think we can learn it from John. We can prepare through prayer, through preaching, and through pointing. And as we land today, my final question to you is, why should we wait in expectancy? And that brings us back to Isaiah 40, at the end of our reading today, where we heard and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. That's the promise. That's the expected future. And I love the fact that the good news about Jesus started with one man who was willing. He was willing to live a life fully committed to preparing the way for the arrival of Christ. And I believe that the start of the good news in someone else's life this year can be through us fully committing to preparing for the arrival of Christ into new people's homes, into new people's hearts. The result of John the Baptist's ministry and his preparations are then described in Mark verse 5. 
the whole of the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins and getting baptized. What if our preparations can lead to Jesus arriving? Lead to many, many people coming out to see him. Let us wait in expectancy and prepare through this coming week. Emily and Christopher will come up and pray now. But just spend a moment at home this morning. Think about how you could pray, how you could preach or just tell someone about Jesus and how you can point to him at this time. We're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are not a stranger to the darkness. Thank you that Jesus stepped into this darkness as light. And I pray, Heavenly Father, now from that place of knowing this has been a hard year, a long year. God, we just come to you again and say we need you. We need your light to shine in the darkness. And Heavenly Father, will you prepare us to point to that light through this season? Show us our way of participating in the preparations for your arrival. Amen.